On Friday, when we were in prayer in this church, the more we were praying and seeking the Lord, the more I, keep, I kept seeing a repeated vision that I want to share with you. And some of you it will change your life because it is a timely warning. And some of you it is a timely instruction that the Lord is trying to give you. I saw a huge python that was coiled. And you know the way pythons are coiled. And they are coiled and the head remains at the top. And because it was coiled, it was in a restful state, but it was not really resting. It was really planning to attack. And asked the Lord, what is this? And the Lord did not speak to me. He just told me, keep watching, and I kept watching. And after a while, the serpent began to make demands. One of the demands was this, do not approach me. The other demand was this, do not disturb me where I am. If you disturb me, I will pounce. But if you leave me alone, I will stay the way I am. Then after a while, this serpent turned to a human being. Still coiled, but just as a human being. And I saw the posture. And it was the most disgusting posture that you can ever come across. And for some of you, it is a warning. Because there is a new trend called yoga. And some Christians are tempted to do it. And some Christians are tempted to practice it. Some of you actually have relatives who claim to be Christians and they are doing that thing called yoga. Yoga is a python. It is an Indian demonic python. And the Lord told me, anytime somebody takes the posture of yoga, you know, the way they, they sit like this, then they do like this, and all these things. I have a friend who does it. Anytime you do that, what you are invoking in you is a python. And after a while, you will discover in yoga, number one rule of yoga is silence. The other rule is that you must have a mat alone. You don't do, you don't do yoga by, you know, holding hands or, uh, or coming into contact with your friend. It calls for separation. That separation is a pythonic separation. And after a while, the Lord was showing me, as people go, continue to practice this thing, what happens after a while, they become very fierce to be approached with the gospel of truth and to be approached with brotherly fellowship. Right now in America and much of the Western world, people have embraced yoga like, like another lifestyle thing. It is like meditation and doing this yoga thing. It is such a normal thing. And people think by doing it, they are being safe. One thing I've noticed, I, was, I called a lady to my house. She's a European. And we sat down with her. And I began to share with her about Jesus. And initially she was smiling, then she changed. And it was those looks of, if you keep talking, you will see something you have never seen. And the Lord told me, what you have provoked in this lady is a python that is controlling her life. And every Saturday when I, when I pass, uh, as, I, as I'm leaving the compound, I usually see her with her trainer as they are doing those yoga things. And what I usually see is just a snake changing positions and changing positions. This lady, it has been very hard to win up to the Lord. Majority of the people I'm trying to reach in my neighborhood, they are embracing the message of the gospel. But this particular one, it has become hard to approach her and to interact with her. Why? Because 
she is now living a lie of the python. She is separated and she wants to be left quiet and she wants to be left alone. And I know some of your children, they attend schools where yoga is optional. I know some of you at your workplaces, they are telling you, well, there are yoga classes. Be careful. Because after a while, a python begins to rule you. And we see that story in the book of uh, Acts, where Paul met a lady with a familiar spirit. And the Bible says it was a python spirit. When Paul cast it out, this is what happens. If you read, I think, Acts uh, chapter 18 about them. This is what happened. Immediately Paul cast out this spirit, Paul found himself in prison. And it, it was cut off from society. He was removed from society. Because one thing a serpent never tolerates is you and it sharing a locality or an environment. And what, have, what, what happened to the other friends of yoga? And I'm sorry, I'm going to step on a few toes before we read the Bible. Because now I want to show you the opposite or the other side of walking in victory. What happens when you are doing taekwondo and you are doing karate? And some of us teenagers, I think 80% of boys at one time, you want to be kung fu and all these things. I used to do it. I used to spread my, my leg on the wall and I tried to make it flat on the wall. <laughs> one day. I will tell a story. And those days I wanted to, you know, those days it was Shaolin. And you go to the TV, there was Undertaker, Big Bossman. Some of you maybe were too poor, you didn't know those people. <laughs> eh? Rodi Rodi Piper, under, Undertaker, Tatanka. And we could remove our shoes in class and, you know, one of us is Undertaker, the other is this. And we could practice ourselves to pain. To become like those people. Now those days, if some of you remember, try to tell such a teenager about Jesus. There could be a change in their faces. You tell them Jesus loves you and they think you are weak, you are stupid, you are irritating. Why? By following these eastern spirits. Because behind every practice in a culture is a spirit. Behind Taekwondo as a culture, there is a spirit. Behind yoga as a culture, there is a spirit. Behind karate as a, as, a, as a culture, there is a spirit. By following these cultures, by following these things, you are inviting a spirit. And much of what you will discover, a teenager who is into taekwondo, a teenager who is into karate, a teenager who is into yoga, they, they become very sensitive to their space. Very sensitive. Some of them lock themselves in their room and they just want their territory and you try to love on them, you try to hug them like we hug some of these children and they resist immediately. Why? Remember what I, sh I was shown on Friday. When a serpent calls itself, it is sending one message. Please leave me alone. You come close, I will strike you. And some of you, I think in this service, if the Lord will lead us, you will wrestle with the python spirit. You will cast it out so that your teenagers can be embraced once again, so that your children can be embraced, so that your nephews and your nieces can accept to be embraced. It is very, very abnormal 
when a human being cannot easily be able to receive love, to receive contact, to receive fellowship. When you look at the society which I've been following very keenly, the American society, many of the American teenagers, many of the American children, they do not want to be talked to. They do not want to be reasoned with. Some of them even make noise when you try to talk to them. Some of them even shake their head. Some of them even throw tantrums. You look at colleges in America, try to share the gospel. You will find the most stupid and the most intolerant audience. Why? They have embraced a python in one way or another without knowing. Another way you will know it is in their rallies. Their rallies is full of people who are extremely entitled. You come with one contrary idea. The Bible talks about the wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is from beneath in the book of James. The wisdom that is from above, the Bible says, first of all, it is peaceable. Then it is also open to reason. Anytime you find a group of people or a personality which does not you know, open up to reason, it does not open up to debate, already there is a serpent ruling over there. There's a man of God I love so much. He's called Tim Clement. He passed away. I think he passed away in um, 2016, if not, 2016 uh, if not 2017. Kim Clement saw a python ruling over America. And one day he stepped out of the pulpit, then he turned on the altar, and he began wrestling with that spirit. He wrestled till he was almost out of breath. And that was the last time he was ever seen alive. After fighting that spirit, he was normal. When Paul fought that spirit, he almost lost his life. The Bible says they were flogged and thrown into the uh, Philippian jail. It took the hand of God to break those chains because a python has one rule. And we see that rule in the book of Genesis chapter 3. The day that you will be met, you will be crushed. And even you, the day you will find man, you will bite its ill and you will kill the man. And that is why it is important to discern what may provoke this spirit to enter your child. What may provoke this spirit to enter your society or your family. When there is no dialogue in communities or among children and their parents or among spouses, there is already a python saying, this is my territory, don't come close. So instead of using sweeter words or a bigger smile, go in prayer rebuke that spirit. What was that girl doing by saying, these are the men who are bringing you good news. They are showing you the way of salvation. That girl was trying to ostracize Paul and his colleagues. He was trying to separate them. He was trying to stigmatize them. When Paul kept on preaching and preaching and preaching, ah, and finally rebuking that spirit, what happened? As I've said, Paul and his friends found themselves in prison. But what does this Meditation involves, then I go now to the scripture. Meditation involves blanking the mind. Meditation involves being in nothingness, being in a state of blankness. Meditation involves being in a stage of, in, you know, being in, a, in an unreal world where it is you and your thoughts. It is you with what you want for yourself. Meditation involves calling for inner strength and inner peace apart from God. 
And the Bible forbids that. The Bible forbids idleness of mind. The Bible forbids vanity of the mind. The Bible forbids being in a state of nothingness. The Bible forbids being in a state of untouchableness. The Bible forbids all that. And the Bible instructs us, and we are going to see it. The Bible instructs us that we should exercise our minds. We should exercise our souls. We should exercise our strength. Anything that makes you not to exercise your strength is demonic. Anything that makes you not to exercise your mind is demonic. Never should a Christian just go in a state of you have nothing in your head, you are thinking, you have nothing in your head, you are processing. That is a dangerous state. The Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 10 verse 12, Daniel, and it is an angel speaking to Daniel, the day you set your mind and your heart to seek God and to abstain from food, the day you, Daniel, not the Holy Spirit, but you, Daniel, the day you decided that you are going to seek God, you are going to separate yourself in fasting, heaven already gave you the answer. Now listen to me, and this will change your life. Prayer does not get answered when you go on your knees. Prayer gets answered when you set your mind to pray. That thing, oh, I'm going to pray for financial breakthrough and I'm trusting God for 50,000 after that. And then you say, <clears throat> now let me pray. The moment you are having a conversation in your mind, do not think you are just talking to yourself. You are talking to the man who gave you that mind. His name is Jesus. No wonder Jesus was so offended by saying, why do you think this in your heart? Why are you saying in your heart? The people are not talking, you know. <laughs> they are not making noise. They are not, you know, causing chaos. And they don't think, this man is so stupid. This man is full of Belzebub. This man. And as they are talking in their heart, thinking they are being so civilized, Jesus is seriously offended. Why is he offended? They are touching him in a way. That is so, so direct. Those are the ones to determine answers. Not your mouth. And Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 going down. The Bible charges us not to be repetitive in our prayers. Oh, Father, I pray. 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 You know, there are people who think by repeating it will be answered. Jesus wants us to walk in mental power. Jesus wants us to walk in mental strength. Jesus wants us to walk in, you know, in, in imaginative strength. When you decide in your mind, by the time you are backing it up with the prayer and fasting, it is just to quiet the rest of your body. But as far as the spiritual realm is concerned, the answer is already given. Are you understanding the meaning of a, mind, a man who is double-minded? James chapter 2. A double-minded man can receive nothing. When you lose his ear, it is gone. And one of the ways Satan is trapping the saints, Satan is trying to stop saints from walking in power, is giving them alternative things like yoga, where you just pose like a fool, and you think of nothing, and you blank your thoughts. When you're blanking your thoughts, you're rendering yourself irrelevant and impotent in the spiritual realm. The greatest spiritual men are the greatest mental men. They do not play with their thoughts. Everything is put in check because everything will rub on God. 
Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. The Bible says, Now therefore that you are seated with Christ in, in, you know, in, in heaven, heavenly places, set your mind on the things above. You set it like somebody tuning a radio. No, 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 not there, Lord. No, 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 there. You have to every time set your mind on the things above. If you don't set your mind on things above, this is what will happen indirectly. You will set it on things below and you will begin to receive defeats from below and you will begin to have confusion from below. Christianity is not an illogical religion. True Christianity is the most intellectual it is the most straightforward. It is the most. It is the most. It is the most organized system. But for only for those who know how critical it is, how critical it is to connect with God. The Bible says in the book of First Kings, chapter eighteen, how Elijah mocked them. He said, "Hey, hey keep talking to your God." And the Bible says they read. Oh, and they were raving and raving and raving and raving. Like, uh, you know, the way you can rev an engine. Vroom, 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 vroom. And the people are just raving and raving and raving. And after that, the Bible says they took knives and had stones and they began to cut themselves and cut themselves and cut themselves. And my question to you is this Did Baal show up? No. <laughs> then Elijah said, Now, Lord. In two minutes, the man made a brilliant speech. He said, so that these people may know that I have not done these things of my own, but I have done it because of you, and I want their hearts to be turned to you. Lord, I pray, answer me now. And fire came from heaven. Elijah did not raise, Elijah did not have to repeat the same things. Elijah, before that prayer, I believe, he had sat somewhere and he had decided in his mind, today, if I get the window, the heart of these people will be turned to God. And how do I know that? When Elijah in verse 19, going forward, is in depression, the Bible says, Elijah began to complain and tell God, I am the only one remaining. All these people have abandoned you. What he was praying about is the same thing he was meditating about. It is the same thing he was concerned privately about. My people, my dear brothers and sisters, listen. You cannot pray to prayers. One minute you are talking to God in prayer, the next minute you are thinking against God in your thoughts. When another is saying, Lord, turn the mind and the hearts of these people to you. When he's asked privately, Elijah, what is going on? These people have turned from you. The same thing you are telling God in prayer, tell yourself also in your thoughts. And when these two agree, you will have victory. The problem with the worshippers of Baal, they are not using their minds. They are not using their hearts. They are using rituals. That's why I have a problem with the denominations which do rituals. Because it does not allow the people to think. It does not allow the people to grow in their souls. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind. Your soul is your emotion. Your soul is your will. When your will is not constantly being exercised, when your mind is not being constantly exercised, when your emotions are not constantly exercised, then you are not growing in your soul. We all know the famous, uh, I think it should be Matthew, chapter, not chapter 6, the one which says, come unto me who are weary. This chapter what? Chapter 11. 
And Jesus is saying, so that you may find rest for your souls. Till you have come to Jesus and you are negotiating with Jesus and you are touching the burdens of Jesus and he's touching yours and you are touching his yoke. What is a yoke? A yoke is something to put you in line. Another, for those who are not Kenyans, a cow with a yoke is told this is the line. A yoke is not for picnic. You don't put on a yoke then you go and chill. You take a yoke and you begin processing on a line. Let's say for example, this is the first line to plow the field. But this is the second line. The yoke will put you in line. Even a cow knows, hey, this shamba is big. And I have to plow the whole of this field. Because the yoke will not allow it to go out of the system. Jesus has a yoke. And this yoke is for my mind. This yoke is for your emotions. This yoke is for your will. And when you don't take the yoke of Jesus, you take other yokes. The promise for your soul to find rest may not be fulfilled. Any day you are walking outside the yoke, any day you are walking outside the yoke, you will not find rest for your soul. Your mind will be disturbed. Your emotions will be disturbed. Your will will be disturbed. The yoke is for a function. It is for an activity. Yoga will not allow you to function. Yoga wants you to chill and tap out and blank out. Yoga does not allow you to really, really, really engage yourself. Yoga wants you just to be in a bizarre state of nothingness. Jesus does not call us to nothingness. He has a yoke. You know, sometimes I look at Pastor Kimani and I pity him. Oh, poor man of God. He has the children department, that is one yoke. <laughs> he has the women department. He has even delegated it, but it still follows him. That is another yoke. And he has a revival that he's hoping to see in the church. That is another yoke. And he has the youth he's always concerned about. That is another yoke. He has an outreach that he calls Kibra. And that is another yoke. And you think that man of God will have time to do yoga and to think about nothing? <laughs> the devil is a liar. The devil has to make us think that being in a state of no responsibility is peaceful. No. Peace only comes when you know this is my assignment. This is where I am starting. This is where I am proceeding to. And this is where I am ending to. Jesus as a yoke. And this yoke calls for you to find rest for your soul. When you embrace this yoke, then you will find rest for your souls. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Why are you not receiving answers in your prayer? Because you think prayer is a ritual. When I go to church, I will kneel down and when I've knelt down, I will say these words. And after that, I don't know what else I will say, so I will just go to church and say those words. No. Daniel, the Bible says. You know, Daniel, the Bible equates him with Samuel. The Bible says, even he told her, he was telling Jeremiah, I have no time to go there. Even if Daniel and Samuel stood before me to pray for these people, I will not answer. Meaning Daniel was such a prayer warrior. Samuel was also a prayer warrior. And these people were winning in prayer, not just because they were Jews, not because they were Israelis, not just because they were men. They were winning in prayer because they were determined in their mind. 
Allow me to repeat to you, people of God. Do not be lazy in your minds. Do not be lazy in your determination. Why was Satan cast from heaven? The Bible says, because you said to yourself, I will ascend. I will do this. Satan had a strategy in his mind going on. And he thought, ah, God will wait for me till I fight Michael and, you know, I kick the throne. That is when things will really get bad. He didn't know just by thinking that I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. Already he was talking. There are people who have come to me for prayers, for miracles. But before, before they stood before me, they had already cast me. And I knew it. One time I went to Uganda, the first time I was in Uganda. Met this Uganda lady. And those days I was small. I was in my jeans, my t-shirt, my hair, my, my kofia, headphones. And I looked cool. I looked like a teenager. And then I was already a pastor, pastoring two churches. And I sat in, my, I sat in the couch folding my, my, my feet. And I looked like a teenager. So this woman comes. There is a man of God from Kenya, you know, those kinds of explosives. And uh, she said, but he's too small. <laughs> this is a tiny baby. And he, she thought I was not here. And when she was done, I said, Lord, what do I do? The Lord said, forgive our cultural bias. Just minister to her. And by the time she was now waiting for the official Bible reading, I just adjusted my headphone a bit and I began to prophesy. And the power of God hit her. She rolled on the floor. She began to vomit. And I saw the move of God. Why? Because my mind had to agree with God before my mouth spoke. I asked myself in my heart and in my mind, what shall I do with this woman? The Lord just prompted me. Just minister to her. Is this not Joseph's son? Is not his, ma, his brother James and his sister Mary? Don't they dwell among us? These people are thinking in their, in their minds and feeling contempt in their hearts. No wonder some of them remained in their state and they did not receive anything from Jesus. Remember, none of them ever slapped Jesus. No. None of them ever said, Jesus, shut up. We want to give a speech. As they spoke, as they conversed, as they thought, the Son of Man had it. And it blocked heavens on their behalf. Nothing keeps people in suffering and in the limitation like the state of their minds. Nothing keeps people in suffering and in limitation like in the, the state of their hearts. I hope now you understand what Samuel meant when he said, the Lord is looking at the earth. The Lord does not look at the stature. The firstborn of uh, David was very tall and handsome. And being firstborn, he was good to go. But God looked at a man who will one day say in his palace, in his own thoughts, I dwell in a house of cedar. And my God dwells in a house of what? Of, he dwells in a tent. David was not praying. He was thinking. You know, I'm feeling so much anointing as I'm saying this. Because some of you, if you can just begin to process your thoughts afresh, 
and to process the imaginations of your heart afresh. I tell you the truth. God will begin to bypass your mouth and come straight for your life. And some of you are addressing the love of God to your heart. No, 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 no. Before your heart, we have your thoughts. So David is sitting in his palace and he's thinking. And he says, how can I be dwelling in this house? And most obviously, he's looking at it. And then checking the tent and imagining, look at that tent where the ark is. How can that, this happen? And the Bible says, and God sent Nathan to tell him, I have heard you. And God sent Nathan to tell him, you said this, but I say this. And God sent Nathan now to update the program that was in his mind and in his heart. The other day, there was a competition. And uh, it was like a, like a betting. And ask a friend of mine, suppose you get this safari called Mshinda, was it an apartment? Three bedroom? Ask him, suppose you get it. What will happen? He tells me, of course, I will enjoy myself. And then in the same breath, the Lord asked me, suppose you get this uh, house, now that you have around 20,000, was it M-Pesa 2, whatever it was? And I knew this hour, anything I think in my thoughts will bind me for this season. So I said, Lord, this is what I will do. And in my mind, I was decided, if I win this house, this is what I will do. And I knew the Lord was checking my devotion to him through that simple thought. I know some of you are prayer warriors. God, you have lords of English. <laughs> some of you even you are French, like somebody looking at me now. You even use French once in a while. But listen, beyond words, there is the soul. Did you hear what I said? Beyond words. There is the soul. God is after the soul. Actually, he didn't save your words. He saved your soul. It is your soul that talks more loudly than your mouth. No wonder when Satan now wants your soul just to be, he, he, you know, like, uh, like dehydrated and malnourished and inactive and in a state of nothingness. When Satan does that to you, he is lying to you. He is killing you. He is hindering you. He is Jesus. He is just killing you. He is just making you not to be what God created you to be. Beloved, I pray above all things, First John, right? That you may prosper in health and whatever as your soul prospers. Not as your words. Not as your career. As your soul. The greatest prayer warriors, by the way, during the days of Jesus, and I'm not against prayer warriors, the greatest prayer warriors during Jesus' time were the Pharisees. Boy, did they fast three times a week. <laughs> Boy, did they know the speech to use. Father, I thank you, but I'm not like this one, because I do this and I do this, and they had a long narrative. 
And the whole gospel, I don't see Peter praying. I see him fighting. I see him failing. I see him backsliding. I see him doing all those things. But his heart was absolutely on fire for Jesus. His mind was absolutely on fire for the gospel. I want to ask you a question this evening. Is your mind a winning mind? Or is it a losing mind? Before you are generous in your conduct, your mind must be generous. Meaning, you must always be thinking of generous thoughts. Before your body is choked and you are not into immorality or whatever it is, your mind must always be in a state of chastity and purity. And you must always be saying those and, and processing those of everything that your life reflects. Since I came to this church, I've never worn a tie because my head has not worn a tie. When my head wears a tie, I will wear it. So help me God. <laughs> blame it on my wardrobe. I blame it on my head. <laughs> And the Bible says that Jesus set his mind or his eyes on Jerusalem. And as he was going there, there is so much drama, so much interference, that because he had set his mind there, he could only find his feet stepping there, and his body dying there, and his body being buried there. Where his mind set, that is where he reached. I know you are praying to be prosperous, but prosperity is beyond prayer. Prosperity is a state of mind before it is a state of life. Can I sanctify you by at least reading one scripture? Please. <laughs> Let's be told. Makofia, Mama. Mama, while you are away, we talked things here. <laughs> Hard things. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. From verse 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, meaning we have an ordinary lifestyle, okay? For though we have an ordinary lifestyle, we have an ordinary conversation, we have an ordinary, uh, uh, you know, uh, schedule, we have an ordinary uh, civility. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? Five. Casting down, underline the word, imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge. Knowledge, underline the word knowledge there. Against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought, underline the word thought, to the obedience of Christ. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Should a Christian meditate? He can, but he has to do it scripturally. The Bible says, Joshua, this book of the law, this book, those days they had a book, okay? Today we don't just have a book. Today we have the owner of the book. His name is Jesus. This book of the law, but now I can say in New Testament version, this Jesus should not depart before you 
But you shall meditate. Now this book is before you already. Okay? This book is not... <laughs> Can I talk to you people? This book is not lost. This book is not misplaced. This book is before you. Now, according to the way you meditate on that book, that is how you shall order your ways and prosper in everything that you do. It is according to this book. But today we don't just have a book. Today we have the revelation of the book. His name is Jesus. So to the extent that you can see Jesus more closely than any other personality, than any other agenda, than any other concept, the extent to which you can see Jesus before you is the extent to which your ways will be ordered and the extent to which you will see prosperity. Can I touch something deeper on the book? Are you aware that every lie we have in the world we have because of a book. We have the Quran. Quran is a book. We have the Bhagavad Gita among the Indians. It is a book. We have the Talmud among the Hebrews or the Jews. That is a book. We have the Book of Mormons among the Mormons. That is a book. We have the Watchtower paper, I mean, uh, material among the Jehovah Witnesses. That is a book. Then we have the Bible. That is a book. And let me surprise you. Are you aware that the capital city of witchcraft in the days of Paul was called Ephesus? And immediately that town was converted to Jesus. This is what happens. Go read your Bible, the book of Acts. I have no time to go there. Immediately they, the city was won to God. They took books that they used to use for magic and they burnt it. Now let me give you a bit of history. Ephesus had the size of five football fields of a cathedral built to a goddess called Diana. This was the capital of witchcraft. And Paul was persecuted there. They even had a demonstration. Great is Artemis and the goddess of Diana. And they demonstrated against Paul. But immediately that town was converted. They took the books. The Bible says they took the books that they used to use for magic and for sorcery. And they burnt them. And the total amount of money that was of those books was 50,000 shekels of silver. When the books were destroyed, the culture was destroyed. When the books were destroyed, the gods were destroyed. When the books were destroyed, the thinking process of those people was destroyed. I want to challenge you people. Beyond the Bible, there is the revelation, the theme, the message of that Bible. When it is not constantly before you, prosperity may not be a reality. This book of the law will not depart from you. When it departs, now this is what happens. Satan begins to build strong things against the knowledge of God. Satan begins to build strong imaginations against the knowledge of God. The Lord may be saying, I'm the Lord that healeth you. But an imagination comes to tell you there is this other thing. The doctor said this, and it is written somewhere in the internet. You begin to have other counterfeit materials that is fighting with the book that you should see before you all the time. The Bible says, though we are walking ordinary lives, we are eating chips and kukusama salt and all these things Nairobians eat. And though we are taking, you know, we are taking Asia Jews and all these things. Though we have ordinary lifestyle, 
We, however, have another world that determines our life. This other world is called your thought system. The imagination. The eye things that exalt themselves above the knowledge. God has a knowledge, but there is something that wants to counter that knowledge. But these things are all mental. Eventually they are emotional, meaning they come to your heart. After that they come to your will in your spirit. And boy, after that you are bound. We have a book. But let me not just call it Bible. Because if it was Bible, Mama, everybody in this city who wants a Bible will be living victorious life. It is to take the message of this Bible and to see it before you. David says, and I quote it from the book of uh, Acts, and even in the book of Psalms, the Lord is always before me. When I turn, is at my right hand. Meaning, when I'm moving forward, the Lord is, all I'm seeing is the Lord. When I have to consult, all I'm seeing is the Lord. When I have to really lean on something, all I lean is on the Lord. Meaning, I am not in a blank state where I've tapped my thoughts out and I'm just... No, I am constantly engaged in my mind, constantly engaged in my will, constantly engaged in my emotions. There's a book I've been recommending to several of you. It's called The Spiritual Man. And in that book, there are 17 symptoms of a sick mind. You can go check it out. Spiritual Man. It has 17 symptoms of a sick mind. And the man of God says, when the mind is defeated, the life is defeated. When the mind is sick, the life will be sick. When the mind is defeated, even the tone of the voice will be defeated. When the mind is defeated, even the gaze of the eyes will be defeated. In fact, the man of God says in that book, when you want to know the state of a man's life or a man's mind, look at how his eyes are. When the eyes are not strong and firm and steady, there is a problem with the mind of that man. Jesus has not called us for laziness. Jesus has not called us for idleness. He has called us for a continuous process of the yoke. And allow me to explain the yoke again. This is the whole field called your assignment. So you go to this side and there is a, an assignment to plow to the end. Have you noticed that no farmer will ever allow his cattle to plow halfway? You have to reach the end or you will be beaten. <laughs> Hey, you hear, say, say, twa, 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 and the kettle is trying to kick, but you have to reach the end. Then you come back again, and you begin the same thing, step by step by step, to the end. Then you come back again, and you begin step by step by step to the end. The yoke to the foolish is a punishment, but to the wise it is a reward. There is a yoke the Lord wants you to carry in your mind. There is a yoke he wants you to carry in your emotions. Young people, there is a yoke he wants you to carry even in your body. You say in your head, this body of mine, this is how it will behave. This is how it will process. And you take the yoke, which is easy, and the burden, which is light, and you begin the process. You begin the journey. Remember what I said, the yoke is not for picnic. The yoke is for an assignment. 
And you begin from that corner to the other end. Then you come back to this corner to the other end. And you come back to this corner. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall endure to the end will be done what? Will be saved. You are enduring, but not, you are not enduring something haphazard. You are enduring something very, very concentrated. Something very, very systematic. Many of you have been sitting here since last year because you took a yoke and you decided to the end I will keep plowing. To the end I will come in the morning whether I have a stomach or I have a headache <laughs> or a backache and I will come and keep coming. I will come and keep coming and I will keep to it and I will keep to it and I will keep to it. What you are doing you are plowing a field. And after the field, the Bible says, do not muzzle an ox while it treads on the corn. Meaning, after the plowing, there is the treading. And as you tread, some maindies or what you call maize begin to come to your mouth. By God, you are allowed to eat. Go read the Eastern, uh, what do we call it? Middle Eastern uh, culture. You will find the favorite cow was the one which was faithful in plowing. It was the first one to be allowed to go and tread on the maize or on the wheat and to eat it. Not the one that does not know how to yoke. Because if you cannot yoke during labor, why should you yoke during harvest? You will not be disciplined. And I'm here to tell you people, yoke your mind with the burden of Christ in the days of plan, so that even in the days of harvest, you can also yoke and win to the end. The Lord does not just want to give you a harvest. He wants to train you and prepare you for that harvest by sending you to the plow. And the Bible says, whoever will put his hand to what? To the plow. Then do what? Look back. Looking back, the other one for it is changing his mind. You are not permitted. And I'm not preaching the law. I'm telling you reality. I'm telling you the grace of God. You are not permitted. When God gives you an opportunity to yoke, when God gives you an opportunity to embark, then you change your mind. Then you want to change it again. Then change it. Then stand and claim prosperity. No. The one yoking you to plow will also yoke you to harvest. The good thing with the harvest, you will be given liberty to take as much as you want. Christianity is not a religion of mental laziness. It is a religion of mental discipline. What differentiates us with every other religion is our state of mind. In fact, our repentance is, another word for repentance is change of mind. To repent is to change your mind about who God is and about what His will is. And this evening, any of you who has in any way attempted or thought of yoga, you have to stop it at once. And those of you who have involved in it, you need to claim deliverance through the blood of Jesus. Because yoga comes to introduce a python in you. It comes to make you, it's called kunda, the spirit of kundalini. It's a spirit of a python. That state you take 
it is just you coiling into a python. And after a while, nobody can approach you. After a while, nobody can reason with you. And before you know it, even the Holy Spirit no longer has fellowship with you. When you look at all the prophets who had heavenly encounters, they were not knocked unconscious with their minds not processing. Their mind was always processing. Those visions they were seeing, they were seeing in the spirit of their minds. The Bible talks about it. I have no time to go there. The spirit of their mind was like recording, like this man is now recording. The spirit of their mind was recording everything. They were having conversations with whoever was visiting them. Do not go blanking your mind and call it a meditation. Meditation involves what we see in Joshua. The book of the law shall not depart from before you or before your mouth. Every day you wake up and every night you go to sleep, you have to rub on it, meditate on it, rub on it, process on it. Why did Peter go back to fishing? Do you know why? He was no longer seeing the book before him. He only saw his career. Therefore, he had to go before, he had to go into what he was seeing before him. He only, see, he only saw the needs of his family. Therefore, he had to respond to the needs of the family by going to meet these needs. And before he knew it, he was backslidden. There's a young girl we ministered to her a while back. And she was involved in some illegal business. And we told her, you need to stop because in three years, this is what the devil is planning to do with you. And for three months, he stopped. Then after a while, I met the brother and asked her, what happened to your sister? I no longer see her in the service. I no longer see her in church. The brother looked down and said, ah, she said she has two children to take care of. And that was it. Now, when Peter is going back to fishing, he was not going back to a hobby. He was going back to a need. He was going back to what was feeding his children. He was going back to what was making him comfortable. But he did not know he had turned his mind away from the book. Now he was looking at the needs. And as he succumbed to those needs, it took time to restore him. And I know some of you, you have needs, which is making you to think like you think. Which is making you to plan like you plan. Which is making you to process like you process. But there is somebody bigger than your needs. He is called your provider. But if he is going to be provider, you must see him before you. Or else, if you don't see him, something else will come and replace him. And the Bible invites us, like you have read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we have to fight imaginations. We have to fight high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. We have to do it. The Lord will not do it for us. We have to do it. When the need is speaking more than the Lord, you have to plow it down. You have to put it down and then begin to exalt the Lord. Because whoever you exalt, you will become like. You exalt the Lord, you become like the Lord. You exalt your need, you will become like your need. So an apostle who should be carrying a mantle of apostleship, suddenly smelling fish. And he's, he's wrapped around nets and he's casting like other sailors. And he's, 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 he's threatening like the other sailors. And lying about the quality of fish like the other fishermen. And what was Peter becoming? He was becoming like what he had seen before him. Thank God he repented. 
and he said, Lord, I will feed your sheep. Lord, I will take your burden. I will plow with your yoke. And I'm, really, I'm so grateful. Today we remember him. Because he plowed under the right plow. He yoked under the right yoke. Finally, before we pray, I want to give you a secret. I, I was taught in 2005 by the Lord. After reading The Spiritual Man, which I challenge those of you who can read to read, watch Monday. The Lord challenged me to be praying for my mind the same way I pray for my heart, the same way I pray for my conduct, the same way I pray for my lifestyle. In fact, he told me, pray for your mind more than anything else. Pray for your imaginations. Pray for your thoughts. Pray for your memory. Do not leave anything to chance. Because before you can speak, you have to think. Before you have to take a step of faith, you have to have an idea of faith. <laughs> and if you are defeated in the place of your mind, then your life is totally defeated. And I remember, I called a friend, he's called Grant and Mamburi. I called a friend, I want to do something today. And that afternoon, by the sea, the man had a beach house, so we, we stood by the sea, and we began laying hands on our minds, and on our heads, and praying. Strengthening our minds. Strengthening our, uh, you know, our thoughts. Strengthening our imagination. Commanding even our minds to open up. Because sometimes your mind can just go in a deadlock. And you cannot see beyond what is the wall of your mind. And you began to break those walls. After that prayer, a bondage I had carried for the last 18 years of my life up to that time suddenly broke. I turned to Granny and said, wait a minute. For 18 years, I have never addressed this main issue of my life. He told me, what are you going to do? I told him, I'll go back to the same one I was praying to. Now to give me proper thoughts and to give me proper ideas or now to handle this reality. In uh, the same year, 2005, my life was changed. Especially my social life. And later on, Granton asked me, why did you carry this? Why were you like a zombie for 18 years? You did not shake your head for 18 years. I told him, but boy, I had not prayed over my head. <laughs> I don't proud about it. So for years I was like asleep. It's like you have a deformity and you do not know you have a deformity. One day you're like, hey, why is everybody going like this and me I'm going like this? And do you know your mind can be so asleep? The Bible talks about why the Gentiles do not believe because this, the, the God of this world has done what? Has blinded their minds. Pastor keeps talking about billionaires and millionaires. Have you seen it in your head? Have you felt it in your thoughts? Have you imagined it? Because it has to begin here. It has to begin on your own side. So we laid hands on our heads that afternoon by the beach of Mombasa. And we began to pray. And we prayed like for hours. When I put my hand down, boy, that zombiness, that state of being asleep, 
was broken. And I woke up with a brilliant idea on what to do. Pastor knows the story. If he doesn't remember, I'll remind him. With a brilliant idea. And I took a tour that led me all over this nation to undertake that project. And God gave me success. But wait. Daniel. Do you remember Daniel chapter 10 verse 12? The day you set your mind to pray, the answer was already done what? Given. Not the days your knees hit the ground. No, 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 no. Daniel, when you said, I will do fasting and prayer, and I will do this, when you just said it in your mind, it was already granted. Meaning, at this stage, the wrong thing, the wrong thing will have been granted. At this stage, the lower thing, the lower thing will have been granted. Of late, I've forgotten to do that. But whenever I remember to do it, I do it. I wish to have your company. Will I have your company? Will I have your company in praying for our minds? Will you keep me company? Or I'm crazy in my own mountain? Lord, I pray for my mind. I pray for strength. Because some people have a weak mind. But you need to pray for strong mind. Lord, I pray for my mind. I pray for expansion. Some people have a narrow mind. What you call in our mother tongue? Thick mind. When Alua tells you you are thick, my brother, go to the hospital. Meaning you cannot think beyond. The mind is narrow. Well, you know, the only person who could have given me this is this one and this one. And for 10 years, it is this one. My brother, pray for your mind. You know, there is no one for 38 years who can turn in the water. <laughs> there is no one. There is, are, you, are you sure there is no one? Even the one who is talking to you, there is no one? <laughs> and for 38 years, the man said to himself, I have no one. And there was no one. Pastor, can I keep preaching? Thank you. So, what do you do with a weak mind? You pray for strength. What do you do with a, a narrow mind or a thick mind? You pray for expansion. If our hearts can change from hatred to love, eh? from bitterness to joy, our hearts of all things, why not our minds? All things are possible. But beyond just believing, exercise your faith and see what God will do. Another thing which Manin talks about is vacillation. Not being the devil to you. I'm talking about a winning mind. So you have to lay hands on your head and say, You mind, desire good food and disgust or hate or love. What? Bad food. Bad food is the tabloids we see there on the streets. In fact, the Lord told me when I was a teenager, my son, never read anything tabloid or scandalous about people you have no idea about, or else one day they'll make that about you. I've never forgotten that. Oh, so-and-so caught with a with a stolen car, with some of so-and-so, and all these things. You are like, so, when I've read it, how does it help my society? When I've thought about it, how does it glorify the name of Jesus and expand the gospel? Do you know deliberately you can decide to take a newspaper 
You look at first page, you skip second page because it is disgusting. You go to the third page, and you go to the fourth page and you skip it. You go to the fifth page, you pick just one item, and you move to the next thing. Why? You are eating. And after a while, you will either have marasmas or kwashako, depending on the nutrition you put in your system. And pastor, do you know we have Christians who cannot think at all? Tell them, think. They cannot think. Not because they did not go to campus or they did not finish high school, but because the state of their mind has been so much in a state of neglect. So you have to lay hands, speak strength to your mind. You have to lay hands, speak wisdom to your mind. You have to lay hands, speak expansion to your mind. You have to lay hands, speak nutrition to your mind. You have to lay hands, speak prejudice to good things and to bad things in your mind. You have to say, you mind, you shall begin to discern what is good and to detest what is bad. You have also to speak depth. The Bible talks about depth of mind. I have no time to go there. You have to speak depth to your mind. But when pastor is preaching, you sink deeper than what he has time to explain. When your spouse or your friend is talking, you can go two steps ahead of him. And the Bible says, whoever walks with the wise, uh, Proverbs 13, 20, shall be wise. Walking with the wise means you take a step in their thinking. You take a step in their imagination. You take a step in their concept. And you stretch with them. As they stretch, you also stretch. And you have to pray also for that over your children. That they will have the ability to work with the wise. The teacher is talking, but they have already gone ahead of the teacher. The teacher is trying to explain this thing in a broken English. They can correct that broken English and go to the next page. One day I preached about Solomon. And as I was standing here, I was seeing a sea. And I was seeing a wide sea. And the Lord told me that was the mind and the heart of Solomon. So you come at corner southwest, Solomon could see you. You come from southeast, Solomon could see you. Everybody, the Bible says, who stood before Solomon was amazed. Why? Because nobody could escape his attention. The man was a sniffer dog. You come talking economics, Solomon has got you. You come talking philosophy, Solomon has nailed you. You come talking poetry, Solomon has nailed you. The man was, the Bible says God gave him the, 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 a heart as wide as the seashore. He had a wide heart. He had a depth. He also had width. But above all, this is why I tie it before we pray. The Bible says in Acts 6 7 that the word of God grew, and great was multiplied the number of those who believed. The word of God grew. Can a word grow? Yes. Do you know the word of God can grow? What kind of things usually grow? Living things. The word of God for um, 4.12 of Hebrews. The word of God is living and active. Not inactive. But where is it going to be active? In your thoughts and in your heart. First allow me to explain this. When Jesus was born, he was the son of Mary, born of a budget. He was a little boy. That was Jesus. After he's baptized by John, eh, the Holy Ghost came upon him and anointed him. He was no longer the son of Mary. He was now the anointed one. 
And when he steps out in the field, he was no longer just anointed. He was the healer. He was the rabbi. He was the teacher. He was the miracle worker. He was the resurrection, uh, the, the resurrection and the life. And the more Jesus kept walking, the more the dimensions of him, himself kept increasing. After a while, he was no longer Jesus whom you could touch. He was now the Christ who could walk through walls. By the time Peter is taking the microphone to preach, he was no longer preaching about the Jesus, the son of Mary. He was no longer just preaching about the Jesus who raised the dead. He was no longer preaching about the Jesus who walked among them. He had another message called the Jesus who was now resurrected and exalted. The word kept growing. And as the word kept growing, even the civilization kept changing. Even Christianity kept expanding. The fruitfulness of your thoughts will depend on how much the word grows in you. The Jesus you knew at salvation should be, you know, increasing. It should be manifesting in a greater way than the Jesus whom you know now. You knew him that day as a healer or as a forgiver. He forgave you. That is good. But there is another side of him you need to know. And as he is growing and growing and growing, you will not have to pray for fruitfulness or multiplication. You will just find you are multiplied. The opportunities you have will be multiplied. The titles you have will be multiplied. The honor you have will be multiplied. Everything about you will be multiplied. Why? Because... Now, for the first time, you have capacity to feed the demand put on your life. Suppose some of you, we want you to do a crusade next week from Monday to Friday. Some of you will panic. Oh, I've not even read my Bible. I've not even fasted and prayed. By the way, what am I going to tell them? Not because God has not given you a Bible. You have the Bible. Not because God has not given you a good art. You have a good art. But because the level of growth of the word has not been active in you. So Paul lands in prison. He has a thing to do there. <clears throat> Next time he's before the king. He has something to say. Next time he's on the streets in a crowd which is causing the commotion. He has something to do. And every place you take Paul, even if you take him on the sea, and the sea is about to drown the people, he has something to say. Not because he was talkative. The word had grown. Because even his mind had also grown. Paul did not just have the Jesus who was born of Mary. Paul did not just have the Jesus who healed Lazarus. He had Jesus who had lived, died, resurrected, gone to heaven and been exalted in heaven. No wonder he now tells us God has given him a name above all names. Why did he read this? He saw it as the Lord kept growing in him. Above all, do not just, do not just grow in your mind intellectually. Grow in the sense of the word. And are you aware that you can look at your spouse and see growth if you want to see it? Or trigger growth if you want to see it? Paul did not just say, these Gentiles are so lost. Let me leave them like that. No. He went and orchestrated a deliberate growth in the Gentile world. We are going to pray for our minds today. Some are going to repent for their minds being so inactive. Others are going to take it up where they have reached and say, Lord, more strength to this mind, more capacity to this mind, more growth of the word to this mind. Thank you, Jesus.
And after that, we can now say, Lord, because the thing has grown, the word has grown, let the sea come, I will have a thing to do with the sea. Let the crowds come, I will have business to do with the crowd. Let even prison come, I will have business to do with the prison. I no longer fear environment. In fact, as Pastor was saying in the morning, I dominate those environments. You dominate because you have growth. You dominate because you have fruit. Let's go on our feet. So I want to charge you according to first Second Corinthians 10, 4. Uh, begin from 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Now, as I'm reading this, something is occurring to me that I want us also to do. I am seeing a weapon in your mind that can either chase God away or people or pull God close to you. I'm also seeing a weapon in your mind that can throw the devil away or invite the devil. But we are going to use this weapon to push away the devil and invite God in. Do you know I can be a preacher and I'm looking at you and your thoughts reject me? Immediately I am thrown away from influencing you. The same way, the same way I can be a man standing before a devil. And the thoughts in my mind says, no, Satan, no. And it immediately begins to throw Satan away. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, touch your mind. Lord Jesus, my thoughts begin to throw away Satan. My thoughts begin to throw away rejection. My thoughts begin to throw away poverty. Somebody talk to Jesus. My thoughts begin to throw away everything that can be thrown away. My thoughts is a weapon. There is weapons you are putting me. And those are those that are winning. Those that are overcoming. Those that are winning in the name of Jesus. I refuse to lose in my mind. I choose to win. Every spirit of disgrace, I reject them in my thoughts. In the name of Jesus. Every thought, even of disgrace, I reject it in the name of Jesus. I begin to decree, right? Right now, every time Satan looks at my mind, he begins to lose in the name of Jesus. He begins to scatter in the name of Jesus. He begins to be, un to be uncomfortable in the name of Jesus. He begins to be thrown apart in the name of Jesus. I decree, these thoughts, these thoughts are armed with weapons. They are armed with weapons. With weapons. This mind is armed with weapons. Weapons to change the nations. Weapons to overthrow strongholds. Weapons to overthrow every kind of curse. Weapons to overthrow every kind of confusion. Weapons to overthrow every kind of deception. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And every legal arrow in my mind. Every legal mind. In the every legal arrow. In the mind of your people. We overthrow it right now. In the name of Jesus. Every legal bandage. In the mind, we are now. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, Father, I speak the helmet of salvation over the mind of your people, and even over my own mind, Lord Jesus. We speak salvation. We speak the helmet of salvation. No weapon that was not that was not ordained of God shall reach our mind. No weapon shall be able to reach our mind because we have the helmet of salvation. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we shake off every dose of bondage. We shake off every dose of bondage. We decree salvation to our minds. We decree salvation to our minds. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me teach you a secret. 
Anytime you are doing deliverance, and immediately you say, in the name of Jesus, the person does like this. That is already a clear sign of the spirit of mind control, otherwise known as witchcraft. Anytime you see you are praying for somebody and he's holding his mind, already there is a rubber band of demonic bondage called witchcraft. Satan is not just interested in your nails or your hair. He wants your thoughts. Because if he can turn your thoughts away, he can yoke you to slavery. And right now in the name of Jesus, I want us to make war against every spirit of mind control. The spirit of deception. The spirit of inferiority. The spirit of discouragement. The spirit of discouragement. These are thoughts that come to the mind. We overthrow them now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. As I'm praying right now, I'm seeing a very funny vision. I'm seeing a widow and what happens with widows? They cover their heads as a sign that they have lost. And many times they keep walking that way the rest of their life unless the Lord deliver them from the thoughts of widowhood. What Isaiah says, you shall put away the garments of your widow. The garment of widowhood is the garment of losing. The garment of being lost, being left alone. And right now in the name of Jesus, we come against every garment of losing. We come against every thought of losing. We come against every thought of being abandoned. We come against every thought of being abandoned. We come against you right now. We overthrow you from our minds. We overthrow you from our thoughts. We overthrow you in the name of Jesus. Your spirit and thoughts of negligence. We overthrow you now in the name of Jesus. We overthrow you now in the name of Jesus. We shall not be lost. We shall not be neglected. We shall not be left alone in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. As I was praying, and some of you, you will uh, receive personal ministry after this. I was seeing people who fear being neglected or abandoned. They are like widows in the spiritual realm in the doors of their mind. But I pray in the name of Jesus from today. May the Lord set you free. May the Lord set you free from fear. The fear of being abandoned. The fear of being left alone. The fear of being neglected. May the Lord set you free. May those of them abandoned depart from you. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the covering of widowhood depart from your mind. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the covering, even of being an orphan, be departing from you now. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the Lord clothe you with his salvation. May he cover you with the garments of joy. May he give you the assurance. That he said that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is saying there are plenty of you who have that covering. You fear being left. You fear being on your own. You fear being turned against. You fear being 
You know, being, being ostracized, like the whole town is against you. You keep fearing that. And every time you fear that, what you are doing, you are covering your head. And the revelation of the love of God cannot reach you. The revelation of the power of God cannot reach you. But I take authority by faith. I overthrow those garments in the name of Jesus. I overthrow that covering in the mighty name of Jesus. I overthrow that dose in the name of Jesus. I overthrow it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is saying to some of you, you are begging him, Lord, speak to me, Lord, teach me. But you need a strong mind to understand some of the things you are telling the Lord to teach you. You need a strong mind to carry what he is about to reveal to you. When Paul received the mystery of the name of Jesus and the, the mystery of the cross, the Bible says for three years he had to be alone in Arabia. The thing was heavy. He had to process it for three years. Some of you need to be, you need to be understanding that you need a strong mind to process what the Lord wants to reveal to you, to process what you are telling the Lord to show you. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your mind will be strong. Your heart will not be moved or discouraged. Even to handle the revelation of what God wants to speak to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Right now I take authority. I decree strength to your mind right now. I decree strength to your mind right now. I decree courage to your mind right now. I decree courage in your heart right now. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's keep going. A man came to my office one time. And he wanted to live where the people were hosting him so that he could live on his own like I was living on my own. He also wanted to do what I had done. Previously, I used to be hosted by another man. Then I left that house by faith. I went to live on my own. And two men heard of it and they came to me. They said, we also want to be like you. We want to move out. I told them, listen to me. You need to be bold in your thoughts. Because immediately you step out there, there are demons called homelessness that are waiting for you. There are demons called starvation that are waiting for you. There are demons called failure that are waiting for you. If you are not going to be bold, these demons will, en will entangle you and put you down. I think today they have never moved. Because they are those who are not ready to confront those spirits and tell them, No, you will not make me who you are. Right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every fear. Every fearing mind and fearing heart. Every double mind and a double heart. I take authority right now. I speak transformation by the blood of Jesus. I speak courage by the blood of Jesus. I speak power by the blood of love. I speak courage in the name of Jesus. The Lord is saying, take time somebody, take time. Exercise courage. I speak boldness to your voice. I speak boldness to your heart. I speak courage to your imagination. I speak courage to your dream. You shall have faith. You shall have boldness in your dreams. You shall have boldness in your dream. In the mighty name of Jesus, you shall not fear new territories. You shall not fear new relationships. You shall not fear in the name of Jesus. You shall not fear new assignments. You shall not fear new platforms. In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak boldness in your thoughts. Keep speaking. I speak boldness right now. I speak boldness for new territories. I speak boldness. Boldness. In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak boldness right now. You know, I'm speaking by the same spirit which told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why was it to be strong and courageous? He was about to do miracles nobody has ever done and will ever do in the Bible. One of the miracles was telling the sun to stand still. Another miracle was telling the world to go flat. Another miracle was telling a river to part. Moses had parted an ocean. Joshua was parting a river. And everything Joshua was about to do, 
demanded for courage. I pray for strength, as the Lord told Joshua. I pray for strength in your mind. I pray for courage in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of fear, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Fear of new assignments, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Fear of the house of Jericho, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Fear even of the rivers, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Fear of the prostitutes like Rahab, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You shall not fear evil. Evil shall fear you in the name of Jesus. You shall not bow to walls. Walls shall bow to you in the name of Jesus. You shall not drown in the rivers. Rivers shall pass for you in the name of Jesus. And people of God, even as much as we are praying, let us say, let us determine in our minds, like the Bible says, determine in your mind this truth. That from today, walls do not fear do not, you do not fear walls. It is worth to fear you. It is worth to bow to you. It is the oceans and rivers to part for you. Not for you to try to drown in them or swim in them. When they see you, they must part. Lord, I pray, turn our minds to you, Jesus. Turn our hearts to you, Jesus. Turn our thoughts to you, Jesus. Turn our imaginations to you, Jesus. That we may be found to be Christ-like, without fear, without confusion, in the mighty name of Jesus. That we may be found looking like Jesus. We may be found thinking like Jesus. Not fearing even death. Not fearing even calamity. Not fearing crowds. Not fearing criticism. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, think of him or consider him who endured such great contradiction from sinners. Every step Jesus took, somebody contradicted him. Every step Jesus took, somebody criticized him. What was put before him, it is the same. I pray in the name of Jesus. May God give you the mind to dispose sin. May God give you the mind to despise criticism. May God give you the mind to despise mockery. May God give you the mind to despise confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. Many of you are called to be leaders. But you cannot yet manifest because your mind is at war. But I pray every war in your mind, let it end. Every war in your mind, let it end. In the Bakorobozaya. I speak an end to every mental war. I speak an end to every mental war. My Hataboza. I speak an end to every mental war. I speak an end right now. Everything that makes you feel you cannot do it. I overthrow it in the name of Jesus. And I grant you the victory by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus told Paul, Do not fear. I have many in this city. You are not alone. I have many witnesses in this city. You shall at, at, again stand and proclaim my word. And the Bible says when Paul had that, he was strengthened. I pray in the name of Jesus. May the Lord begin to give you an open mind. A mind to see possibilities. Not just to see fear. A mind to see God being with you. Not God being against you. A mind seeing support. Not just the distractions. In the mighty name of Jesus. May God give you a change of mind. That those who intimidated you, you may now intimidate them. That those who controlled you, you may now be above them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for our minds. That you may give us minds of winning. A winning mind, oh God. A mind that does not bow to skepticism. A man that does not bow to cynicism in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray right now. Deliver us from fear in our minds. Give 
keep us good company in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I want you in your mind to decide. Every day you are going out into assignment. God has more people for you than against you. Do you know your mind can be so fixed on God till you begin even to transform your enemies to be your friends? And Jesus is walking through Jerusalem and the people are trying to think whether to celebrate him or not. He says, if you don't play the tune, even the stones will be turned right now to praise me. He was determined that he will be praised as he's passing. I decree in the name of Jesus, wherever you pass, the Lord begins to give you confidence that even the storms will begin to help you that even the donkeys will begin to help you that even the gates of the city will begin to help you in the mighty name of Jesus every thought of pessimism every thought of negativity we cast it down right now in the mighty name of Jesus every thought of sabotage we sabotage, we bring it down in the mighty name of Jesus every thought of setback we bring it down in the mighty name of Jesus every thought of confusion we bring it down in the name of Jesus some two witches appeared to a man of God a while back. And some friends of mine know the story. And they slapped him at night. They said, today we are going to kill you. And after we are done with you, we are going for your friend Joshua. This very hour we are going to Joshua. And the man began to shake. Then he met me after one week. He asked me, my brother, did those two people come to you? I said, which people? He told me, but they, they said you are coming. He didn't know that this was a warfare going on. Satan wanted him to begin thinking about me being attacked and fearing about me being attacked. Of course, the grace of God preserved me. But Satan was trying to intimidate this one. Do you know some people in this place, you are, you are busy praying prayers out of fear, not out of faith. You are busy praying from the point of being attacked, not from the point of ruling with Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus, I lift your thoughts to rule with Jesus. I lift your thoughts to rule with Jesus. I lift your soul to rule with Jesus. I lift your mind to rule with Jesus. I lift your mind to think with Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, the demons of poverty that you have feared, I command you to rule over them. The demons of sabotage you have feared, I command you to rule over them. Begin to overtake your enemies. Begin to overlook them in the name of Jesus. Don't give a nice speech. Begin to ignore them because your thoughts are error. In the name of Jesus. Pray in tongues briefly over that. We update our thoughts right now. In the heavenly places with Jesus. We update our thinking right now. In the heavenly places with Jesus. We update our procedures right now. In the heavenly places with Jesus. Maroko bobo shekarara. Malakazuro robo shaka. Retakarara baba zekelelebeshia. Every thought Jesus had towards you, your mind begins to think at the same place. Jesus is planning to visit you. Your mind will begin anticipating a visit, not anticipating a, an attack. Your mind will begin to anticipate what Jesus is doing, and it will begin to repel what Satan is planning in the name of Jesus. You separate your mind by faith from carnality, which is enmity with God, to spirituality, which is friendship with God. 
The Bible says, how can I do this without sharing with my friend Abraham? As the, as the man of God, Abraham, began to turn his mind to God, God began to share secrets with him. Today, in the name of Jesus, I command your mind to accept the invitation to reason with God, to think with God, to process with God. I invite your heart to begin to come into friendship with God. Not into begging, not into fearing, but into friendship right now. Put your hand on your heart. I speak friendship in the name of Jesus. I speak friendship and fellowship. I speak friendship. I speak companionship. I speak friendship and companionship with Jesus. I speak interaction and intimacy with Jesus. Friendship with Jesus. Interaction with Jesus. Communion with Jesus. The Bible says you shall not fear what they fear. You shall not think their thoughts or speak their language or bow to their gods. Today I separate your culture to be a higher culture that is heavenly in the mighty name of Jesus. When they are talking about casting down, you shall say they are lifting up. Because your mind is already lifted. Therefore, your language will also be lifted. In the name of Jesus. One time the Lord appeared and he stood next to my bed. And then a man also appeared. And they were talking without even looking at me. They were talking face to face. Mind to mind. Eye to eye. And I could only hear Father you know the father wants and the father wills and they were talking and I was like Jesus why are you ignoring me and he just kept talking with this man when he was done he said join us or keep begging but he kept talking again you know the Lord is a communicator he can tell he can do something to catch your attention and he told me I want you to join us at our level where the will of the Father is the only concern. It is the only talk in our minds and it is the only talk in our interruption. And I began to ask him, Lord, bring me to your level. Don't come to my level. I pray today the Lord will begin to bring your mind to his level. I pray today that the Lord will bring your heart to his level. As I'm praying, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. You will not remain where you were found yesterday. 